Hey, so tonight's session is all about dealing with hurt players. We have some fantastic guests on us with tonight, The Big Sad and uh, RJ Daggerhouse. I hope you enjoy our quick conversations. Uh, at the very end, there's some quietness in the background, uh, just because I forgot to hit the end recording slash streaming. Uh, so uh, you can skip the last like 30 seconds or whatever. Uh, hope you enjoy. Um, there's a couple breaks in the middle because I got texted while I was doing this, but yeah, whatever. Hope you enjoy. Bam, and start recording. Heck yeah. All right, minimize that. Pop this full screen so no one can see all the channels I've been. <laughs> anyway. Oh, hey, someone's already trying to talk. Give me a second, let me get you in here. Boop. Hey, Ro. Hello. Thank you for showing up. Let me close this, get that out of the way. Anyway, good evening. Welcome to our late night classroom. Tonight, we're going to be focusing on, uh, sorry, how to deal with butthurt players and butthurt GMs. Uh, what you can do as a player, a fellow GM, uh, all those things to just kind of minimize the drama that would be following you about the table or outside the table because, you know, butthurt sometimes carries over from real life. Um, and just like usual, we're going to start with, like, clarifying what the heck we're talking about and so on and so forth. Uh, so when we're saying a, a player is butthurt, right, we're not talking like they're violent or aggressive or flipping the table, though that it may lead to that eventually. Uh, but it's more like just a disdain or like when they roll their, their, their mean behind it or the things that they do just start like not making sense for their character. And it's just like, they're just being jerks to be jerks. Um, generally, uh, players become butthurt, uh, when they, you do something that they don't like or disagree, right? And just like everything else, you know, uh, some people are going to have bad reactions to stuff you do, right? And whether you correct it to make it like, oh, okay, maybe I'm the one being the butt, being the butt in this situation. That's on you, right? Um, sometimes you're just staying your ground, though, because most of the time DM says is all you need to say to a person. Um, and that's, you know, generally step one, right? Uh, is remind your player. Uh, this is as a GM. I'll, I'll flip to the other side in a second. Uh, remind your player that... Uh, they are, uh, what's the right way to say this? They're under your rules, right? So what you say goes. Now, be careful using this all the time, right? But sometimes a gentle reminder like, hey, I tell you what can and can't happen politely, uh, does, that goes a long way. It really does help sometimes. Um, cause some people just, you know, forget that there are world mechanics that you're adhering to. And the rule of cool isn't always going to take place. Generally, it should, but sometimes it's like, okay, you want to build a uh, a whole ass iron metal suit around your character that was previously a companion character. Well, that's going to take a while. You can't do that in a single session, uh, you know. And then you three sessions later, the suit still isn't still isn't built. And they're a little butthurt about it because they keep bringing it up. And you're like, nope, you haven't you haven't done anything in character to do that yet. You can't just magically appear out of nothing. Uh, so reminding them that they have to do things to get stuff that they want is also important. You know, uh, again, every game we play is going to be a little bit different from 
you know, game to game, you know what I mean? And uh, that being the other part, you know, is make sure your expectations are good. You know, we talked about talking to your players and talking to your, uh, your GMs about stuff. Like, if they do or do not want to do something, you know, be clear about it, one way or the other. Um, even if it's what they want to do and not what you want to do, or what you want them to do and they don't want to do it, like, just make sure you have that hashed out ahead of time so you don't have to worry about that in the long run. Hey, what up, what up, what up? Oh, hey, I should probably actually get on Twitch really quick, too. Come back. All right, cool. I can see Twitch, so if you uh, you on Twitch and need to talk, I uh, will try and pay attention. Um, anyway, the next step or whatnot. Also, sad, if you want to hop in and talk on this, you can just hit the request thing and I'll uh, throw you up so you can yammer yammer back. Because I like talking to people. Um, so... Sorry, I keep losing track. Flipping it on its head here uh, for the GM stuff, right? Uh, if you are a player and dealing with a uh, GM that just hates how you are playing your character, like just couldn't couldn't do anything worse about it, sometimes it's polite to remind them that that's your character, right? They might control the rules of the world, but how your character reacts to those rules is your decisions, right? Um, you know, sometimes they'll complain about it breaking roleplay or things like that, but at the end of the day, you're the one, or your character is the one, that's going to suffer the consequences, right? Um, oh, there he is. Good. Um, so once you get past that understanding between each other, that generally alleviates a lot of those uh, rule issues from butthurt stuff, right? Um, another thing to keep clear on both sides, right, I, I said this before, but expectations that you are throwing out there as a player or a GM, you need to know what to expect as a player, and you need to explain what you are expecting of the players before you do stuff. Um, if you are in a heavy combat game, generally, like, you know, you have three, se three sessions of combat every single session, and then all of a sudden, you jump to like, ah, this is a skill check session where we're just, you know, goofing off and having fun and we're not going to murder anybody because we're in a peaceful area. Make sure your players know, you know, especially the barbarian that just likes to hit things, that that's what you're doing for the session. Or that you're just doing an RP session and so, you know, combat isn't going to be the focus. That's um, a way to snuff fires before they occur, you know. Uh, if you're playing with people that aren't super into the whole roleplay aspect of things, where they just kind of like, I just like to roll dice. You can play with that too, but give them the opportunity to roll dice for something. Whether it's, you know, chasing a chicken around the yard for funsies while the other characters talk. Whatever. They're gonna get the chicken. Uh, and that'll help them feel like they're doing something. Because, again, there are certain classes that aren't super good into the roleplay. Now, there are fantastic players that can turn any character into a, uh, RP Marvel uh, and have the roles to back it up, but some don't. Some don't, some don't want to. Some are just there because they're there to have fun or whatever, or kill goblins because they like killing goblins. Um, and you, as a, D a GM, have to remember that that's something that that's all people want. So when you get to that point where it's like, ah, oh, we're doing a roleplay session or a skill check session, or you know, I mean, something that isn't quite combat focused, uh, and your barbarian instantaneously goes for like chop off his head. You know, you might have to deal with that. You know, roll with the punches, let him chop off the dude's head, have his, you know, one swing because he just killed a commoner, and then they get to do, run away from the guards for an entire session. Um, you know, as a, as a 
GM in those kind of situations, you just gotta you gotta know that your players are just trying to have fun and remind yourself of that because sometimes you get really serious and like the political intrigue of an area is so important and blah 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 and then you forget that you know we're here to roll clicky clack dice and eat chips you know whatever your, is your motivation for playing D and D together. Um, that being the other thing, uh, sometimes that motivation changes. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's, hey, we're just here to waste time. To, hey, we're here to make sure these characters make it to level 20 so I can hear the whole story. I don't want to be halfway through the story and then stop playing kind of thing. Uh, so know, knowing what your your players expect of you, uh, like playing-wise, right? If you're doing a pre-planned session that's like, oh, hey, we're doing Curse of Strahd. Well, we're expecting to finish this in one session or six sessions or whatever, right? And you take 20 you know, the players might get a little butt hurt over time, right? Because they're not progressing fast enough. They're not enjoying the story. They are like, I just wanted to play Strahd a little bit. I want to get in there and kill him. Uh, yeah. Tone your expectations. If things are taking too long, don't be afraid to cut stuff out. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the nice thing about module play is you can play them again. You know what I mean? And do a almost completely different story with mostly state of objectives. Um... With new characters, or with the same Hello? character, if you want to throw in time loopy stuff. Hello! We can hear you. Are you good? Yes, no, maybe so. I saw someone talk. RJ, was that you? It was, it was me. I, I couldn't hear you talking. Oh, weird. I've been talking the entire time. But, uh... I'm going to blame it on your phone because you and... Yeah, you cut out, um, right as you were talking about, uh, Curse of Stride. Oh, oh, okay, of course, I talk about the official material, it's like, you can't talk about that! Shh! <laughs> um, but, anyway, uh, what part of the Curse of Strahd did I get to so I can repeat this, hopefully successfully? Uh, it was right as you were talking about uh, characters not progressing fast enough. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, so just a quick reiteration. Uh, you know, characters get butthurt when they get stuck in a place for too long, if that's not what they want to do, right? Uh, so if you're playing Curse of Strahd and they just want to get through the module, and you're like, oh, it'll only take us, like, six sessions, and it ends up taking 20, uh, you know, maybe check and make sure that you're moving fast enough for the players. Because, again, some some of them want to play seven different modules or get onto a, their own homebrew campaign or take their turn at DM, whatever you guys do as a system. If I paid attention to Twitch, I'd see I'd lost audio. That's real weird. Anyway, um, so there's that for for time-wise stuff. Um, and then as a player, right, uh, sometimes players eat through material like there's nobody's business, especially if you're playing with, like, three people or two people. You can go through a module in two, three sessions if your characters are moving and grooving and avoiding the, all the combats and just doing the roleplay stuff or whatnot, and you just burn through stuff, you know what I mean? Or they, you know, find the quick way to the big bad before they get a chance to level up a few times, and then they're, boom, you're at the big bad, and you've killed them, and you're like, ah, now we get the treasure, right? And the DM's over there like, I didn't even read that half of the book yet, I just I just guessed. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of GMs get butt hurt when they spend uh, an hour preparing a dungeon, right? And the players go, ah, I don't want to be in a dungeon. Let's travel to the next town. Avoid this obvious railroading event to the dungeon because dungeons are dumb or whatever they think. 
uh, you know, you're going to get uh, butthurt DMGM from that. Because uh, prep work is a lot, you know what I mean? And if you if you notice that your DM is railroading you really hard to a certain area, it probably means they prepped a lot of work for it. Uh, or there's something important that you're supposed to do there in their minds. Um, again, having a conversation about it, like, hey, uh, none of us actually like going in dungeons. We'd rather do an open, plain setting. Uh, is super important to talk about. Again, we keep going back to expectations and talking about people, but that's really how you avoid uh, getting butthurt. Now, let's say you get past that point, right? We're, we're past the point where you can extinguish the butthurt uh, because you killed player... Uh, player C's wizard that he handcrafted, had a seven-hour backstory, and then you know, murked him on the first session in the first combat with a fireball from some other wizard. Uh, and they argued that they should have been able to dodge, even though they only rolled a six, or whatever, right? Uh, this is In this scenario, let's say they are 100% in the wrong, they're just upset because their character died, and you're like, well, they ain't get no grace points, they ain't get no la di da da we're just gonna roll with it, make a new character. So, uh, they make a new character, and it's just this POS that... All they do is make the GM mad. So when other players are are doing stuff, they're not paying any attention, that kind of thing. Uh, those are the times where you like have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the player afterwards um, and talk about it, right? Before we get to the flipping table stage, right? When you put down the DM says, DM says, and they go, okay, fine, and are butthurt about it for the rest of the night, talk to them afterwards, you know what I mean? And maybe come to some kind of compromise or something to make them feel a little bit better. Obviously, uh, how far you negotiate with terrorists is up to you. Um, but, you know, remember as a GM to, to, this is a game we're supposed to be having fun, right? If you want real consequences, though, and that was the setting that everyone understood, like, hey, you take a fireball to the face, you're going to die. Okay, cool. You know, as long as that was understood ahead of time, you're good to go. Uh, on the player side of things, um, for building characters and stuff like that. Uh, we go back to, you play your character way different. Let's say you have a bard, and your DM is expecting Horny Bard McGee, so he's, you know, prepping all this stuff for it to deal with the Horny Bard, and you're just like, my bard actually just paints pictures on the grounds and uh, loves cats, and not in a weird way. I just, I can't stop not petting them or singing them or drawing them. I'm just the cat bard. Uh, and your GM is like, I prepared for Horny Bard. Look at all these attractive people I've placed in the campaign for you to woo. And they're just useless. And all the other players are trying and they have terrible roles. And you don't inspire them. It's bad. Ah. Whatever, right? Uh, this is, <clears throat> again, where you go back and remind your uh, GM that you are choosing to play the character you want to play. Um, you know, their expectations of how you play the character probably shouldn't go into effect until you've established what your character's like. Uh, now, if you go from the cat bard that's love cats, doesn't deal with the hottie thotties or anything like that, and then suddenly you become ultra horny bard because you saw a video on YouTube that made you giggle about bards, um, you might get some butt hurt there because you're, you try to seduce everyone when that's not something they've been dealing with the entire campaign, and they're just like, I, I don't know roles for seduction. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> More cat based parts. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but, 
you know, throwing those things in there are going to hurt the gym in some way or the other. Now, most, it's probably more of just a pride issue on that end and they need to suck it up. But making sure that you don't have a complete character swap for no good reason out of the blue, uh, you know, outside the first couple character sessions where you're still figuring your character out, uh, you know, try to avoid that. That'll, that'll, that'll stop the butt hurt. Um, now, again, talking as four players, if you have a DM that's constantly like pink lightning whenever they get upset, right? Or even just any GM that like has something petty go off and they're just like, ah, racks fall, y'all die, make new characters. Um, leave, leave, don't, don't play with those people. Um, there are appropriate situations for pink lightning and rocks fall and people die. Uh, but it better be serious. Uh, light, light, pink lightning for the entire group and not just a single character or rocks fall and everyone dies and everyone, you know, gets murked for something stupid. Uh, you need to leave that, that, that DM stuff. Like, give them a month, two, maybe longer to cool off and you find somewhere new to play. Uh, if he's your forever DM, that might be the sign that he needs to take a break and just be a player for a while. Have someone else volunteer and do other things so they can do other stuff. Um, cause at the end of the day, that is the ultimately, that is ultimately the worst GM DM stuff to deal with is dealing with the, the one that just kills everyone for the funsies of it, or because they're tired of a character or a group of characters, their story is nowhere where they want it to be because you guys decided to talk to, uh, Boblin the Goblin at the first bar you went to instead of Magnesivo the Wizard, who was very obviously in front of you. Uh... And now you're going on goblin slaying adventures instead of fighting a dragon. Whatever, right? Um, you can't really tell uh, a GM that they 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 you know they just need to shut up and do what they want. I mean, you can f try that, see how that goes. Uh, but it generally leads to that whole rocks fall, everyone dies. Someone else do this. I don't want to do it anymore. Kind of thing. Um, so. Uh, to avoid stuff like that, right? Take obvious cues from your DM. Uh, GM. Whatever, right? Big dude, shining armor. Talk to that guy. They're, if they have a descriptor, should probably talk to him. Or at least acknowledge that they exist. Uh, and be like, we'll talk to you later. Because you can still talk to the Boblin the Goblin and figure out what his thing is. Uh, and that might give the DM more time to deal with uh, side quests later. You know I mean, when you get to a point where you're like, we've done all the main objectives for a while, and uh, DM's figuring out how to connect point A to point B, Boblin the Goblin might pop back up and be like, ha ha, now come do goblin slang for a session. Whatever. Uh, then you take your cat bard and go from there. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. Um, if, if we have a moment, I think I could hop in and kind of expand on a couple things you were talking about. Sure, I'd love to hear what you got to say. I'll, I'll try not to interrupt you. Go, go, go. Okay, so uh, I was taking notes, and like whenever you were talking about players eating through sessions, um, mm -hmm. I can really only speak as a DM. I think one of the best things to do is uh, don't be afraid to end a session early to tell your players, hey, you guys flew through this. Um, we played for three hours. We usually play for five I want to call it early tonight and, uh, you know, come back tomorrow when I'm more prepared. That way it's a more cohesive game. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a hundred percent a way to do it. You know, as long as you're not pulling our business where, you know, people are paying for the hours that they're getting, uh, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. Um, and now, then, uh, uh, secondly, whenever, 
uh, like if you have players who want to play a specific type of campaign, I think it's good to uh, talk to them. Like your session zero, like understand what type of session your uh, players are looking for. Um, so if you know you have a heavy role play group, then don't put them through the meat grinder of every dungeon imaginable. You know, Tales of the Yawning Portal isn't obviously going to be the book you're going to run for this group. Give them that more heavy role play adventure that they're looking for. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, we we preach session zeros really hard uh, in our stuff. Again, mostly because we tend away from modules. Uh, we might steal content from them, but we you know, mostly do our own stuff. Having that session zero so you know exactly what you're trying to plan for as a, as a GMDM is great. Um, for homebrewy stuff like ours, when you get to that that point, uh, sometimes groups change, right? Because if you're playing a level 1 to level 20 campaign with people and playing for a year plus, uh, you know, what they expect or what they want might change, and it's important to check up on them as if you're having a session zero every once in a while. You know, at the end of every session, be like, all right, we good, what can we do different, whatever, right? Check it again. We talk about this in other podcasts, but talk to your players before and after the game. Um, on the side, you know what I mean? If you don't feel comfortable talking to your druid uh, because you forced them through some major character development at the table and they're walking away silently because you've just blown their mind, uh, text them later. You know what I mean? Uh, generally, you're going to be playing with your friends or at least associates. Uh, you should have their text message, phone number, I am whatever you guys use to communicate. Uh, talk to them, right? And uh, even talk amongst players. You know what I mean? Um, interactions between two players can be just as important as a player in a, a in a GM, right? And if you have some kind of crazy idea that you want to do with another player that might affect the campaign, definitely run that idea by the GM before you're like, we're going to try and do a somersault stab to the neck on anything that's large or larger and see if that does max damage. Whatever. Um, anything else? That, that was another good note. Um, my last one is, I think you definitely, uh, this goes with the communicating the type of session. Uh, whenever you were talking about pink lightning and stuff, I think... Uh, communicating to your pair, uh, players that there's definitely a possibility of death, right? Mm. Um, that I understand people want to get really attached to their characters, but you're right. Sometimes something's going to happen and someone's going to die. You're going to pull out that critical hit card that does quadruple damage and cleaves someone in half. And it, it do be like that sometimes. And they don't have the cleric with raised dead. Yeah, um, again, this goes up to, to setting things up. Uh, like, for our younger uh, crowd of players that we plan to play with eventually, uh, for, you know, the under-18 yahoos that we want to, hey, we don't want everyone to be murdered, right? You switch your killing people to stunning people. You know, all, all weapons have some kind of magic attuned to them to where they do zappy-zap damage uh, and knock people out instead of whatever else. Um, and... Letting them know that, hey, your characters can't die here because you're only going to get stunned and knocked out and, you know, picked up later kind of thing. That's important. If you have to do that with an adult group, like, let them know that that's how that works. But if you're, again, ju jumping on the opposite end of it and like, hey, you have to count your rations because you can starve to death. Please keep, keep track of them. Like, make sure they know. Don't be like, ah... All right, everybody, we've been playing for three sessions. How's your rations looking? We've been in this desert for 72 days, and no one said anything about eating, drinking, or going to the bathroom, so I assume you've all starved to death. That's not okay. Don't do that, please. 
Yeah, that would that would be a horrible way to interact with your players. Please, please don't do that. Whatever you do, um, Deckhouse, you're making noises over there. You got something for us? Uh, no, just I'm listening. I'm driving and working actually. All right, all right. Keep safe. Don't crash. Um. Okay. So those are those are good points. Um. Let's see. Do either of you guys have any good stories from dealing with butthurt players or GMs? Oh, my. I was hoping you would ask. I do. <laughs> uh, so I was running Ghost of Saltmarsh, and they were in the Hogan Temple. Um, and they, uh, they had been, like, sneaking through the entire time, and I think they got it in their heads that they were just invisible at this point. Well, they didn't know that there are telepathic sharks in the area. And so they were spotted by these telepathic sharks. So obviously they don't hear the sharks, but the sharks alert the guards and they're chased out of the temple. I had a player who just demanded right then, how did we get caught? How did they know we were there? This doesn't make sense. And I, you know, I let him be booty tickled the entirety of the session and then whenever the session was over and everyone was packing up and leaving, you know, I was like, hey, this is because now it's over. Um, now they're out of that encounter and everything. So I could retroactively go back and explain, hey, you know, your player character wouldn't know this. But just so you know it, so you don't feel like I've uh, wronged you by doing this. Um, there were telepathic sharks. They alerted everyone to your thing, uh, to your location. So I think after I communicated that to him, he was more understanding uh, I think he just had it in his head that anything that was happening in the game, I was going to tell him about and didn't think that there were consequences that going on that he wouldn't directly see. Right. Uh, you know, that's a that's a fantastic story because that happens all the time where you're like, something happens and the players are like, but how though? And you're like, I, I can't tell you what ruins the story. Um, honestly, saying that right then, hey, get out of here, notification. Okay, that's just going to be on the screen for a minute. Um, having explaining that to the characters right then and there and be like, hey, there's other stuff that I can't tell you about because it'll ruin the story. Generally, we'll stop that at the table, but oh my god, stop. I'm going to text them. Give me a second, sorry. Uh, telling them that right then and there, uh, that'll you know, help. Um, that it's something that's story based, and there there is an explanation that you can't tell them about. We'll clear up that that butt hurtness ninety percent of the time. Now, of course, you're going to get the rules lawyers that are like, "But I should know, blah 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 blah." Anytime, whatever, and they'll come up with some kind of silly excuse, and then it's on you to be like, "Shush," or "Yeah, that makes sense." Okay, you now know about the psychic sharks, and they go psychic sharks, and you go yeah, and now because you know about them, they're land sharks, and they're coming coming for you. Prepare yourself. Roll, roll initiative. <laughs> <Would be fun. laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, but um, again, taking those context, that's a that's an important reasoning because people do get butt hurt by that quite often. I know I've been on both sides of being like, why did this happen? Or Shush, I can't tell you. <laughs> Stop complaining. It'll make sense in ten minutes when you meet the bad guy. Um, yeah. RJ, you got any good stories, or are you uh, busy, busy? Well, I'm... 
it wasn't like everybody got butt hurt, but sometimes uh, when you don't know how the world works, you don't know how to proceed. You know what I mean? And you end up, you know, when you wake up and you don't have your equipment and things don't work the way you you think they should work, you're very it's very confusing. Mm. And you and it's like it's stacked against you. How do, how do you win from here? How do you how do you succeed or go forward? And I've just seen the whole groups just struggle for sessions trying to get a grip on what's really going on in the world because that's not the world that they made their character for. Right, right. Um, and, you know, we're going to flip to the player side of things. It is okay to ask your DM, like, hey, we need some help figuring things out. Like, this makes zero sense to me because I'm not actually in the room with no doors. Like, what am I seeing? What should I be seeing? I think your uh, audio cut out there uh, again. No, no, sorry, sorry. That was, that was me. I was talking and got a text message and had a reply. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, it's okay to ask for help. You know what I mean? Um, to avoid butthurt feelings on your own part, right? If you're not trying to be salty about stuff, ask. You know, most of the time DMs will come up with something or they'll give you the... Like I just said, hey, it's for story purposes. But if it is really a context issue that you're having, telling them that you're having a context issue to understand what you are dealing with is going to be easy peasy solution number one. So I have on the opposite end of the spectrum, me as a DM getting mad at my players. I have uh, two instances of it. One, I created a character uh, for the same thing, Ghost of Saltmarsh. I gave him a backstory. I made him a person. He had a name, and he was going to help out the party. He surrendered whenever they took over his ship. And I was like, perfect. This guy is going to be a new member of their crew and everything. And then one of my PCs used her flintlock pistol and executed him on the spot. <laughs> All of that work I had done making this guy straight down the drain. And uh, I... Like, looking back on it now, I know I got unnecessarily mad about it because, you, you know, my job as the DM is to roll with those punches, and it was, uh, you know, it was an example of me getting butthurt over something. You ever, you ever get the opposite, where you make a character that's meant to die, and the group just adopts them, and you're like, no! No, kill this thing! It needs to die! Please! I don't want to deal with Boblin the Goblin for 26 sessions. I haven't had it happen yet, um... But I, I see it on my horizons. Those those are also good. But you're like, ha, here's this enemy. And then it's it's now a player. We, we, we have a new friend. Son of a gun. Now I have to voice act every ten minutes this other random NPC. Great. Uh, but definitely those feelings for the players just like, surprise, gotcha. Waste ten hours worth of work. Or here's twenty hours extra worth of work. Great feelings. But, uh, it's important. And, like, as you said, you know, maybe you're a little unjustly mad. But, I bet you the, the uh, time it saved you from having to act out that player was nice. And, or you copy and pasted it through another one that came in with chocolates. Safe. That one, the lip. No, no party's gonna kill a man with chocolates. That's a lie. That's, that's very much a lie. They, they will. They'll steal his chocolates. And then you'll be upset again. <laughs> Yeah, no chocolates are safe in any any game. Mur murder hobos be murder hobos. That's just how it is. All right, 
so um, I think we've covered all this pretty well. We're jumping over a little bit over a half hour worth of time, which is good enough for me. Unless you guys have comments, questions, things like that, I'd love to answer them and or hear more stories. So uh, just uh, oh nope, I'll let you go. Go ahead, Daggerhouse. So, uh, when when you have uh, world rules, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, how do you, how do you determine what should be general knowledge and what should be found out knowledge? Ah, okay. So for sending up those explanations to avoid the butt hurt in later on, um, that's Correct. really that's really your own personal DM style. You can lay everything out in that. You know, we talked about the session zero. Uh, and explain as much as you can think of when it's going on. Um, but if you get to a point where it's like, oh, I didn't explain this because, you know, we're now several continents away from where we started and the culture here in, in this world is completely different, uh, it's okay to say that. You know what I mean? Just be like, look, I didn't explain this beginning because we weren't dealing with it. Um, or it wasn't an issue because I didn't know that the fighter could teleport 17 feet into the air and stab someone in the back as a free action. I wasn't expecting that. The rules the rules were not built around it, and so I have to make a change or a judgment call. Telling telling players that, you know, will alleviate some of the stress. Um, it's safer to err on the, hey, session zero, I'm dumping all the general knowledge that you should have about the world down. Um, uh, it also really depends on the campaign. So if you're playing a campaign where, like, Everything about the world should be known because, you know, everyone went to school or something like that. Uh, Give them a lot of information. If you are playing with a group of people that were like, ah, we've lived in this podunk mining town our entire lives till the big bag killed all of our families, you can then just dish stuff out as you go along. Um, I think along with that, uh, if you don't mind me interrupting real quick. Go ahead. I think along with that, something you can do is uh, know your character's scores. So uh, for D&D, for example, like know their history, how good they are at that, know their religion, uh, know nature and stuff. So based on your setting, um, and then you know, obviously knowing the backstory of your characters will allow you, because if you get to a point where you're explaining something and your character's like, oh, would I know about this? You, if you have their scores right in front of them, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you would have, you know, a general knowledge that encompasses this. These are the things you don't know, though. And the things you don't know, you don't know. Right. And, I mean, on that note, it's 100% okay to give players player knowledge uh, and tell them, hey, this is player knowledge. Your character has no idea, but I want you to know so it makes sense to you when things happen. Um, obviously, sometimes you're going to deal with people that metagame. <clears throat> but that's that's just how life is. That meta gaming's not the end of the world. Um, it can be annoying and frustrating, but it's just something that you eventually deal with one way or the other. Because if someone's constantly meta gaming, you can you can talk, take them to the side and deal with it, right? As a as a GM dealing with your own butt hurt, talk to players that annoy you, um, <laughs> and then uh, as a player, <clears throat> you know. Uh, seeing other people metagame or stopping it or whatever, because, you know, again, player versus player butthurt happens to. Uh, whatever. The one butthurt that players can get that isn't really helpable, if someone rolls, like, 10 20s in a row, you know, if you're critting every other roll, and you as a DM have checked it and been like, 
it's been legit every time. He's just rolling 20s because his dice are loaded or something. Uh, and other players are butthurt because they're rolling twos the entire session. Like, you just got to say, sorry, it happens. Hopefully you'll get the 20 luck next time. Now, if you have a player that consistently rolls 20s because that's the whatever, they're probably cheating, and you should probably talk to them about it. Or have them change dice because uh, accidental loaded dice do happen. Intentional loaded dice do happen. Uh, so just you know, keep that in mind. Um, yeah. So uh, right on that, I do have a. I have one player who constantly rolls good all the time, and uh, it got like I've given him dice to use, and he's changed the dice. So I know it's. I guess the dice gods are with him every time he plays with me. Um, it's gotten to the point where I'll have like PCs on the other side of my uh, screen here, and they'll be like, "Hey, I just checked it. That is that is 100% a natural 20 again for the third time this session." And then I have another PC who never rolls above a 15. So, to help counteract that, uh, that's where you give out items that are helpful to the players that roll terrible all the time, and not necessarily items that. Uh, give a whole bunch of pluses so you're not going to hand out plus sevens because the dude can't roll above a two uh, but things that like grant advantages in various situations or give out re-rolls you know what I mean uh, suggest taking the lucky feet or things like that to give them a chance at rolling more um, because sometimes it's just like ah I rolled and my first roll was a seven well at least I get another shot ah it's a twelve it's not much better but it's better um, kind of thing or I rolled a seven, and then I rolled a seven again. It was the fates. They decided we were going with the seven, and players will. It was it was destiny for you to fail that. this roll. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, if they they get the stuff that lets them re-roll stuff like that, uh, they'll feel better about it. And don't be afraid to give those items out. You know what I mean? It's it's a, a fake fun game. If you need to homebrew an item that's like every time you attack an orc, uh, you get to re-roll. Do it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not gonna hurt in the long run. Hopefully. And worse comes worse, they start picking up their dice rolls and things go well, and you go, ah, that item broke. I'm so sorry. Obviously more tactful than that, but <laughs> something along those lines. Um, so what? So what about what about characters that, um, like you know, have a lot of magic items, but you don't know what magic items are. For example, um, Jaraxel, the Drow, right? I mean, everything he has on him is magical. Does something. So uh, a character like him could nullify a whole bunch of stuff or, ha or know a whole bunch of things and you not know how he's doing it. Right. And that, so, can really, that, and that can really make people mad because they almost seem omniponent and they're not really omnipotent. They just have an advantage in that situation. Again, explain, explaining your, to your players that that's how they're dealing with. You're dealing with a level 20 badass prepared to get your ass whooped. Is it a totally appropriate line to say to your players uh, when they start getting to that, you know, mid-level stuff where they're like, nothing can touch me, and then something slaps them in the face and they feel hurt because they're like, I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been down, I have rage and I'm a barbarian. Well, he does psychic damage. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you explain a thing to them, uh, again, don't be afraid to, to talk player knowledge versus uh, character knowledge. You know what I mean? Your characters have no idea why you're getting thrown 20 feet at a time, but player knowledge is uh, he has an item on him that he can use as a bonus action that throws you 20 feet. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't hurt for them to really know and they can't really metagame against it because you're going to throw them anyway. Um, but again, having the explanation of, hey, it's story 
plot stuff that I don't want to explain because it could ruin things is what it is. You know, when you're fighting an omnipotent, overpowered character, uh, you know, DMPCs, right, that are like uh, character favorites or whatever that they made in another campaign and they brought it in and now they have superpowers. Uh, is I hear this complaint come from people that, that most of those type characters are just overpowered and have ridiculous stats or whatever, right? Um, I think explaining to your characters that that's the kind of character they're dealing with is important. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, you know, that's just how it is. You know, they, they've, they've done whatever they needed to do to be a super badass. Hey, look, you could get there eventually if you don't die right now. Um, that kind of goes the same for big, bad, evil guys. Uh... You know, sometimes they just have ridiculous superpowers that you're like, as a player, I can never cast Lightning Bolt 26 times in a turn. You're right. You can't. He has to be intimidating so you don't just slap him with a stick to death like he's Ganon and you're playing Breath of the Wild. Whatever. Um, or they have four legendary actions. Yeah, yeah. Again, stuff that, like, uh, breaks the core rules of whatever system you're playing with. Be careful with as a, as a GM using... Like, yeah, that's super cool, uh, but sometimes it just feels like you're, you're, you're being mean to your players. And maybe that's what you're intending, but if you're doing that, like, let them know, like, hey, this character is 100% broken, you're not supposed to beat him, just play with it. Uh, or something along those lines, right? Like, this is this is obviously a super-powered character that goes beyond the regular limits of whatever. Because, like, we talk about Dritz, right? Uh, Dritz has 20 magic items on him at all times. Well, you're only allowed to tune, attune to 4 in our rules, right? Well, I'm not taking away any of Drips' weapons because he can't attune to them, allegedly. Right? Because that's a, just a game mechanic, not necessarily a real-world mechanic for D&D. Um, yeah. And explaining to them that, that you know, this is a fictional character that has extra stuff. Or they have some unnatural ability that lets them attune to other things. You, mean, you make something up on the spot that sounds reasonable, even if it's bullshit. Yeah, I think as a, as a GM, you have to walk this fine line, uh, especially whenever you're creating uh, characters or NPCs that might make someone mad. You have a fine line to walk between um, difficulty and fun, and it is a it is a very thin line where you you could easily accidentally throw something at uh, your player characters that is no longer fun and is just difficult and it isn't fun to encounter. Uh, there's a great meme uh, that I posted a couple times on our Instagram, I think. But it's like me, the DM, throwing 17 wolves at a level 2 party or something silly. And then it's like the one remaining character with 3 HP just cowering and peering in the corner. It's a it's a Mega My meme. Um, but uh, that one makes makes me giggle. Because sometimes that happens. You know I mean, you just like prep a thing and like, haha, take it. And you're like, ah, no, they took it. They took it bad. Oh, they all dead. Sorry. You know, TPKs are a thing, and they're very unfortunate for the most part. Uh, and sometimes it's on the GMDM. Uh, it's your fault. Uh, and everyone's going to be butthurt about that. In those situations where you know you've done goofed, uh, either before everyone dies, have a miracle, savey, the wolves are no longer hungry, whatever, uh, or don't be afraid to be like, all right, it was a dream, you guys wake up in a tavern drunk, something like that. Um... You know, if you throw something too hard, don't be afraid to cover it up with some silly magical nonsense because you're playing D&D or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, some some settings that will not work with. 
Um, Modern War, for example, generally you don't just have random dreams of you having combat and then dying and everyone dying and you because know, someone found a MOBA and accidentally set it off. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Sometimes it doesn't work out and you just got to deal with your own consequences. But if you really do like the characters or feel like you robbed them of their experience, don't be afraid to kind of back out and do something silly like that. Um, for one, it shows the players that they can die, and that's important sometimes. And for two, you know, sometimes stories are, are really enjoyable and we don't want to lose them for, from uh, storytelling mistakes. You know, seven red dragons appear. Ah, well, we could take two, maybe. Seven? No, we died. <laughs> we should have run, but we fought because we're murder hobos and we know no better. Give them a break. Uh, unless you're playing with super experienced players that just made super terrible mistakes, punish those guys. They, they deserve the punishment. New, new players, though, don't do that to them. Let, let them live. Let them try again. Uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about butthurt, getting players' characters killed is going to butthurt basically anyone, even if it was legit. You know what I mean? It's either they're going to be mad at their dice for failing them, mad at their teammate for not defending them, uh, mad at you for throwing out an ogre when they were expecting a goblin. Bobbling got him. Whatever. Uh, yeah. That, that's that's going to cause a little bit of butthurt. As long as you play it off correctly, you should be able to mitigate the butthurt. You know what I mean? If it feels legitimate when you died because, you know, ogres do 26 damage a slap or whatever. Whatever. Your system you're playing will explain it better. Um, yeah. Anything else? Comments, thoughts, ideas? Uh, no, that's it for me. I really appreciate you letting me be a part of this, though. Heck yeah, man. Every other Friday. Um, though I know you have a stream, too. So when, when, when your stream's in early, come here. Hang out. Talk for a minute. Too easy. Can do. All right. Well, I'm going to end this here. Uh, let me... Yeah. RJ, you got anything? Oh, I'm good. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I will talk to both of you at some point in the near future. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Probably stop streaming before I look at all the stuff. Sorry, y'all.